0: I'm Sadie Carpenter. I was raised in an IFB pastor's home, mostly in the Midwest. My dad was a very compassionate man. He was a lot kinder than many of the pastors that we speak about on this show. But he also took the IFB and the rules of the IFB very seriously. And no amount of parental compassion could save me from the toxicity of the IFB environment and the teachings that continue to affect me, even though I've been out of the IFB myself for about 10 years. The IFB, or Independent Fundamental Baptist, group is a fundamentalist and biblical literalist group of loosely connected churches with no formal head or headquarters. Each church is fully autonomous in theory, although They're often highly influenced by social pressures from other IFB churches or influenced by famous fundamentalist preachers that they follow. The IFB believes in using the King James version of the Bible only and in taking the words of scripture very literally and turning scripture into kind of a rule book for life. They believe in abstaining from alcohol, movies, popular music, psychiatry, and a lot of other things. And instead, they believe that most of a person's free time should be used to support the church and its ministries. They believe in strict child discipline. Often, they believe that birth control is a sin. They believe that wives are to be submissive to their husbands. And many IFB, though not all, believe that it's sinful for a woman to work a job as opposed to being a stay-at-home Mom or housewife. They believe in a highly confrontational evangelism style in which they try to convert others, and they believe in giving at least 10% of one's income to the church. Because the IFB doesn't have a denominational head or any kind of oversight, there's a huge spectrum of what IFB is. There are independent Baptist churches that do not align themselves with the IFB movement, that are Baptistic in their theology but LGBTQ affirming, believe in women's rights, don't abuse children. There are also churches that do align with the IFB and consider themselves IFB and have IFB on their website, but are the mildest possible version of it. They might believe in doctrines that I think are harmful, but they are making a good faith effort to mitigate that harm. And then there are IFB and NIFB churches, new IFB churches that practice every single provably harmful teaching to its fullest extent. And I was raised somewhere in the middle of that spectrum. Uh, one reason that I started this podcast is that I believe I got a very basic IFB experience. <laughs> I didn't grow up in the mildest of the churches. I did not grow up in the worst of the IFB churches. I kind of grew up right in the middle of it. I was educated, and I use that term, very loosely, using ACE and a BECCA curriculum, both of which we've covered on this show in detail and both of which are very deficient, especially in real history and real science. I was taught taught science mostly for the purpose of proving that Noah's flood was literal and evolution was a lie. I was taught that I belonged to a man and I always would and that I was always supposed to be in submission to a man and I was raised to be a mom and a wife and that's about all. I really bought into the ifb way of life it was the only thing i've ever known when i was 18 i went to hiles anderson college which is an independent fundamental college and i was there to play by the rules to learn how to be a good pastor's wife or assistant pastor's wife or missionary wife or christian school teacher which were the four careers available to me i took college classes on how to be a good wife sometimes i struggled with keeping up with every single rule, but I really tried and I really wanted to be the best little IFB girl that I could be. When I was 19 and still attending Hiles Anderson, Jack Scop, who was the pastor of the church that sponsored Hiles Anderson College, the church to which it was attached, and a very famous and prominent preacher within the IFB movement, very influential man, committed a crime. Jack Scott groomed a minor who was technically over the age of consent in the state of Indiana, but he messed up when he took her over state lines. To be clear, we as hosts of this podcast believe that due to his power and influence over her as a pastor, she was not able to truly consent to anything that occurred between them. But the actual crime that he was able to be convicted of in a court of law was a human trafficking related violation because he took her over state lines. This was a horrible crime, but the fallout from it shook the foundations of my life and ended up changing my life in a very positive way. The same semester that he began his prison sentence, I also (laughs) created a scandal at Hiles Anderson College. I was in trouble for immorality because I accepted a premarital consensual side hug, and I almost got expelled. The hypocrisy of some members of the church standing behind and defending Jack Scott in the face of his actual crime while condemning me for a consenting age appropriate side hug because I was not married to the person who hugged me made a lot of things very clear to me very fast. And that was the beginning or the catalyst of a very long process of leaving, deconstructing and, reco- and recovering from the IFB.
1: Thanks for uh all of that information. Um and all of the stuff that Sadie talked about, uh you can hear more about in depth uh if you go and listen back through our back catalog, especially um in like I think the first ten episodes of the show, we talk a lot about Hiles Anderson College, Sadie's time there, and what specifically went down with the crimes that Jack Scott committed, as well as like uh the crimes of of and and misdeeds of Jack Hiles, who was Jack Scott's predecessor. Uh and like one of the major, major figures of the IFB throughout the 20th century. That's going to be in our like early episodes. I think we have a a five part series called the first family of fundamentalism, which came out in the fall of 2020, which I'd highly recommend you go and listen to if you're a new listener. Um, My name is uh, Gavriel Hacohen. I go by Gavi sometimes. Um, I live in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. I grew up Jewish in a very liberal Uh, home in Portland, Oregon. So my background is pretty much the exact opposite to what Sadie's background is. Uh, I went to a university for music and for uh, media and communications, and then I moved back to Portland to try to work as a professional musician, uh, which I... You know, tried to do for several years, but I found it extremely difficult to making to make a living off of doing that. And while I was doing that, I worked a few different jobs. You know, I worked at like a grocery store. I worked as a welder. In the fall of 2018, I got a job working at a car dealership, um, and this is where I met Sadie. And I, I think you started a little bit after I did, right?
0: Yeah, I started spring of 2019.
1: Yeah. uh, So you started, I started in fall of 2018. You started spring of 2019. We became friends because we were both interested in music. We were both interested in religion and we were both interested in like writing music with religiously influenced themes, as well as like just general themes of self-improvement, you know, freedom, redemption, those sorts of things. One of the things that Sadie and I really bonded over early in our friendship was recording music. And we wrote and recorded the song together which is called Rolling River of Time which is it eventually became the intro music to this podcast when we actually finished the song like I think we finished the song around the time that the podcast first came out so we decided to use that as the music anyway so when the pandemic hit in uh, March of uh, 2020 Sadie and I were both laid off from our jobs at the car dealership and we decided to just start A podcast, you know, do what everyone else did during the pandemic. You know, some people had like a sourdough starter. Some people got really into crypto and we started a podcast.
0: (laughs) I Um, also had a sourdough starter.
1: Yeah. What did, what was I doing? I, I was like, uh, what was my like pandemic? Uh, I, oh, I decided that I was going to grow a beard and not shave it until the pandemic was over and it got, and it, I mean, it looked really good for a bit and then it got too long and I looked like, uh, I, I like, like I was in like, zz top or like um (laughs) and i looked like dumbledore i looked like one of the dudes that's going to tell you how to uh
0: yeah during during the pandemic you grew a beard i grew a baby and we both grew a podcast (laughs) yeah
1: (laughs) it's true um and we you still have the baby and we still have the podcast but i've mostly shaved my beard um no it, it was it was like a natural move for us because uh we both already had like all the equipment and we had tons of free time so I think when we started, we took it pretty seriously, but we were both amateurs at it. And so over the next several months we managed to like hone like the tone, the content, the show, and actually make it kind of good. Listenable. And yeah. It, and now it's been like three years and you know, I mean, I got better at editing and self-editing as uh what I actually <laughs> say on the show. But I mean it's true. But and now it's been three years of us doing it. Like this podcast is like my main job now and this is like a thing that she and i do professionally now which is a lot of fun and i think that when i started podcasting i didn't totally know what i was getting in, myself into and i didn't really understand what it means to be raised in a cult and and to be a cult survivor but after listening to Sadie's story for 3 years as well as you know the experiences of other people who have uh, contributed and the way that you know i look at like the the way from doing this show, the way that I look around and look at the world and, and look at the way that people think about things in the world and the and the way that I perceive the world has completely changed, and the way that I process con- information has completely changed, and the way that you know I look at people and the way that they interact with other people has completely changed, and I like having the opportunity to share that insight with listeners, and I like being able to take people on that journey and also just like you know help facilitate Sadie telling her story, which is nice.
0: I'm so thankful for what we've built together. And I'm so thankful for the great audience that we have. After having my pandemic baby, now this is the thing that I do when my toddler naps. And it's been so healing to tell my story. And it feels like people listen to me and believe me for the first time in my life. I'm thankful literally every day for the opportunity that I have to do this. So this podcast is for people who were traumatized by the IFB and are now recovering. It's for people who have experience with other types of coercive control, whether that's other denominations of Christianity or other religions entirely, or even abusive relationships, abusive corporate relationships. That's a thing. I believe we're going to have an episode in the spring about a corporate cult. But for anybody who's recovering from any type of coercive control, this podcast is also for people who don't have that life experience. but would like to have a window on my world growing up and a behind-the-curtain look into the continuing saga of American fundamentalism. We also occasionally talk about other cults and how they relate to my experience. We talk about the history of fundamentalism. I feel like I grew up almost on another planet, especially compared to you, Gabi. Like, our life stories are so different. And I use my show to talk about the planet I grew up on. (laughs) and my healing journey and the entire hidden subculture that was my world for the first 20 years of my life. I'm really excited to have you join me on this journey.